We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Against the grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Against the grain. Three, two, one. Usually I count down. I'm going to count you. All right, do it again. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Against the Grain podcast. Wait, are we doing the main show or is this just a tease <laughs> yeah. at the beginning? No, because we don't know what you're going to tease yet. Well, I know. Because you haven't spoken to him. Or are you going to tease something off of what you have or what he's uh, saying? Okay. Welcome to the Against the Grain podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Perloff. Uh, I'm with my producer, Mario Miranda. As you could hear... Our act is not totally together. You know what? We had some time off for the pandemic. We're back. It's week one. We're still getting our chemistry down. Yeah. So here's what we're doing today, Mario. All right. Uh, I'm going to give you my three against the grain crazy overreactions to week one. You know, I love to overreact. Yes. Then we're going to have Aaron Nagler on, who is the voice of the Packers, in my opinion. Uh, And then I have a treat for you. Now, I don't know if you saw Randy Bullock, the Bengals kicker, missed the last second field goal. I did, and he grabbed his left leg, and then he said it was his right leg yes. or something. Uh, so a friend of mine, friend of the show, uh, NFL marketing representative, Dusty Stanfield, has a great Randy Bullock story, which I absolutely love. So I'm going to have him on to tell that. So it's going to be a great time. But let me start with my three week one, or is it week two? Busy week two. Week one against the grain takes. I'm going to start with... Quarterbacks running. Now, what are we on the record for? Are we for quarterbacks running or against quarterbacks running all the time? As an against the grain podcast, we are against it. Mm, I don't know if that's true. You're going to have to pull the footage. Have you noticed that the entire NFL has transformed around quarterbacks running the ball all the time? That is like the only thing that happens right now. Everybody's doing it. I saw, like, even Joe Burrow. Look at these numbers. Kyler Murray, 13 carries, 91 yards. Cam, 15 carries, 75 yards. I think 13 were by design. Uh, Josh Allen, ton of carries and yards. Joe Burrow, 8 carries, 46 yards of TD. Lamar Jackson did not run that much, but still 7 carries, 45 yards. Kirk Cousins is running. Uh, Dak Prescott had a big ride. Russell Wilson had a 28-yard run that really set the tone in that game. So everyone's going to run. They're just like, forget it. Like The mentality that your quarterback's going to get hurt is just off the table. One guy who didn't run, Carson Wentz, did not run. It's still scared to death about his knee, <laughs> and it cost him the game. He was like backing up for 20-yard sacks every five minutes. So now you have to run. I think the, thing, the real lesson of this week, week one to me, was that you can kill the clock with a running quarterback. Cam Newton, that game was over by like 3.30. The Patriots-Dolphins was over because Cam Newton just ran for first downs and bled the entire clock. So I, I think that like you can't have a quarterback who doesn't run anymore. There, name me like f- a few exceptions. There are very few. And we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers a lot in this podcast. He doesn't really run forward. He extends plays. Yeah. But generally, like if you're talking about draft prospects, if you're talking about anything, like you have to run. Like Joe Burrow, I think the one thing that stood out to me was that guy can move on the field. Yeah. Wait till Justin Herbert gets on the field with the Chargers too. He can run fast too. He didn't run at Oregon. He's going to run in the pros. It's just a complete revolution in the NFL. Now, I know we were talking about it with Lamar Jackson, but everyone's like, the narrative was the guys can't run too much because they're going to get hurt. That narrative has d- disappeared. Uh, we'll, we'll talk with, with Nagler about that because Aaron Rodgers is a little bit old school. He actually throws the ball downfield. Uh, here's the other thing, too. All this running is going to loosen up. Now you got to keep a guy in the box watching the quarterback. 
Cam Newton's going to have a much easier time throwing once people get some tape on him. I don't know about this week against Seattle. That'll be tough. Number two against the grain take. Of all the losers, there's one team that I lost the least amount of faith in, if that makes sense. Now, you might think, who do you think it is? The team that lost who I still think is going to be legit win their division. Legit win their division team that lost. I'll give you some teams that lost. The Vikings lost to the Packers. Okay. Not legit. The no. Niners lost to the Cardinals. Them? That would be a good guess, Mario. But I'm going with Dallas Cowboys. Okay. So Are you basing this off of... Two uh, things. What? I, I know the injuries stunk uh, against the, in the Rams' loss. The NFC East is terrible. Yes. I mean, they are bad. I mean, Philly, if they're going to stay at this rate of injuries, they have no chance. Yes, Mario? Yeah, but Washington, I mean, Come Washington on. showed a lot. Eight sacks is... But they're so front, young. That front seven is... They're so young. Fun. Yeah, you know what? Eight sacks, but Carson Wentz was back there for like an hour and a half. Anybody could have gotten to him. No, the, Washington, Rivera, that's all good, and it's going to be great, but you're telling me Dallas can't beat that team? Dallas, the other thing, too, is you forget Randy Gregory's coming back. Yeah. That dude... The He's beast. really good. Like yeah. Alden Smith was the story of, of week one. Wait till you have Alden Smith on one side, Randy Gregory on the other, Demarcus Lawrence floating around, and they got Everson Griffin from the Vikings, I believe. Like, how are you going to stop those four guys? How are you going to block them? I think Dallas, once they get their act together, that was a tough, tough thing to do. You had Sean McVay with a whole offseason to plan against you, and they did all these, like, reverse screens. Yeah. I mean, how crazy was that? Like, they, they would roll the whole field one way and then come back the other way. Then the Cowboys figured it out in the second half and completely shut them down. I think that defense, even without Leighton Van Der Esch, is going to be good. You know, Dak was not good on third down. I, I don't quite get what happened there. But Gallup, Lamb, Cooper, have you ever – I mean, the physical talent on that wide receiving core is out of control. Ezekiel Elliott's amazing. Tight end's a bit of an issue. Yeah, I think the they Cowboys just lost uh, their tight end, Blake Jarwin. Blake Jarwin. I think the Cowboys of the one loser in Week One, they're the most dangerous team. Okay, last against the grain take, and I don't think this is that against the grain. Every year the NFL does this; they pick a rule and say we're going to call it like crazy on Week One. The officials watch it, and it never works out. Last year it was offensive holding; they gutted all of Week One, and then Tom Brady tweeted at halftime of the Monday night game or Sunday <laughs> night game and said. What are you doing with all the offensive holding calls? And they stopped because it was so embarrassing. Sunday, offensive pass interference. And they, it cost them, you know, it cost the Cowboys a game. Yeah. Because yeah. that call on Michael Gallup, I don't care what anyone says, that was a terrible call. Really? In the moment, I thought, I mean, I heard Dan say it the last couple of days, but I thought, I mean, isn't that definition of offensive pass interference? He extended his arm and he pushed off. Well, isn't the definition of running a pattern is that the cornerback isn't holding your arm down the entire time? Uh, I don't. I didn't see that. You I didn't mean, see Jalen Ramsey hook him. I saw all. I saw was the, the he pushed off oh. and the extension of the arm, and I was he like, he pushed right, off yeah, because the guy was holding him. That's offensive pi right there. That's what I thought in the moment. You're not allowed to touch the receiver if you're a quarterback. You're not supposed to grab the receiver. Yeah, he was getting the guy's arm off him. There was no way that was offensive pass interference. If anything, it was defensive pass interference. If anything. I don't know. And if you're going to call it, oh, you are so wrong. We're going to get this out on Twitter <laughs> when we send out against Grain uh, on the podcast. No way. And there are OPIs all over the place. The quarterbacks ride the receivers all over the field. You know, let's face it, passing was not huge this week. I think they're going to stop with the OPI because – you know, cost the Cowboys a game this week. I don't care what you say. It's going to cost somebody next week. It might have cost the Bengals. A.J. Green. Now, that was a push-off, and that was easy to call because it was in the corner of the end zone. When a guy's running down the field and the cornerback is riding him, 
You can't call that push off. I also had a bet on that game, so maybe I'm a little biased. And you picked the Rams? Oh, yeah. you're totally biased. How'd yeah. you do this weekend? Not good. Yeah, well, who'd you lose on? I lost last night. I took the over in uh, Tennessee, yep. um, Denver. Lost that because of, <laughs> because of Steven Guskowski. I mean, I mean, if he hits those. If he hits three field goals and extra points. Three, three field goals and extra points. Yeah, okay. he should have hit it. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, quote what, unquote. What else you lose on? I lost. Uh, I lost college too. I, I bet a bunch on college, and it didn't. I didn't do well. This like Division two college season that's going on. No, I bet on Notre Dame to yeah. cover. Notre Dame was like minus or they minus twenty one and a half. They didn't cover. <laughs> they it looked like they were going to lose that game. Yeah, for a while. it was. It was tough. I also bet on. I also bet on Syracuse, North Carolina. That's the only one that I um, won. The over. You bet the whole or, game. I bet the under. And that, I mean, they didn't even come close to the over, which was like 65. So, Real quick, I have a fantasy nightmare story. We're about to get to Aaron Nagler, talk Packers. I was up seven points going in. I had Big Ben mm-hmm. and Evan Ingram going against Juju, Melvin Gordon, and the Broncos kicker. So Big Ben had a m- nice night, except yeah, yeah. all his passes were to Juju. Yeah. So I gained no <laughs> points there. All his touchdowns, well, two out of three. And then Evan Ingram had a huge catch. Offensive pass interference, going full circle here. They took it away. Yep. And I lost by eight points. Had the third highest score in the league. Not only that, I lost a Kamara touchdown because they screwed up the camera angle. That was a touchdown at the end of the game. I lost an Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott touchdown on a holding. I'm just really upset. Kamara was that last one, right? On yes. The goal line? Yeah. yeah. You don't understand. The camera is not evenly placed. Like, you know, you know <laughs> yeah. you're in the film industry. Was that the right call? No. Nah. They should have got in there. They should have given it. They shouldn't have overturned it. Okay, uh, let's uh, bring in Aaron Nagler to talk about the misunderstanding of Aaron Rodgers. All right, now we welcome in co-founder of Cheesehead TV and my good friend Aaron Nagler. So, Aaron, I know you did some podcasts with the Pro Football Focus guys before the season started, and we had some of those guys on the Dan Patrick Show and one thing that you couldn't help but notice is Aaron Rodgers was plummeting down the quarterback rankings. I saw him as low as like 11, different places. They had him 12. It was tier two with PFF. Um, some guys still had him high. Sando had him as tier one. Why was Aaron Rodgers falling so much? Was it just the lack of production last year, or is there something personal going on? Can you explain it at all? Yeah, I think the perception outside the building is so different than what not only the Packers see, but I think anybody who – watches the team as intently as we do you know, on a day-to-day basis knows that look with Aaron, none of the tools are gone. You know, I think people have seen a drop in production and maybe more throwaways than they're used to, or, you know, not as many big plays, et cetera. But look, all the tools, as far as not just the physical ones with the arm and his ability at the line of scrimmage and escaping the pocket and making things happen. I just think, you look at everything around him and coming off of this off season where they drafted his heir apparent, they didn't go get a wide receiver other than Devin Funches who opted out. Uh, you know, this idea kind of was building, I guess it was almost a snowball effect where people thought, Oh, you know, his best days are behind him. And to me, I, I'm really thankful because it allowed me to get him late in my fantasy draft. I was happy <laughs> about that, but you know, it, th- this, this kind of, narrative has formed around green Bay that 
they aren't helping Aaron, which nothing could be further from the truth. It's a very different offense, and they're approaching things differently offensively. But it's not like the cupboard is bare. They still have a ton of talent on that side of the ball. I I just think people got so used to a decade-plus of Aaron Rodgers, five wide receivers spread out in Mike McCarthy's system, and then just let Aaron work and go to town. It ain't like that in Green Bay anymore. So I think perceptions were way off base when it comes to Rodgers and the Packers offense. Is this like the old thing, like DP always says, we love to build guys up and tear them down, or or we like the new guy. So is this just a – you know, we had a decade of loving Aaron Rodgers. You think people right. were ready for something, you know, they're ready for Lamar Jackson. They're ready for, ready for Kyler absolutely. Murray. Oh, absolutely. And that's not to take anything away from those guys. I think the new breed, so to speak, of quarterbacks are really exciting. You talk about Murray, you talk about Jackson, Mahomes. Those guys are thrilling. I mean, absolutely thrilling to watch. But it's not like Aaron Rodgers has forgotten how to play football or isn't still very, very good at it. Is he the electric playmaker he might have been when he was winning MVPs? No, probably not, but, not from a pure athleticism standpoint. But he can still make every single throw, and he can still basically drag a team along offensively. So I just think this perception, again, of there's this hot new breed. Like you said, people love to tear people down who have been so good at something for so long. and People are just itching to kind of bury him a yeah, but I saw like the MVP Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. You know, I, yes, you did. I don't think the physical like he never really ran downfield that much anyway. He feels like he could still move, and he could still yes. he could throw that yeah, ball. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and that's what's and that's the most important part, yeah. right? Is the is the presence in the pocket. It's not so much escapability or even uh, you know, designed run plays or anything like that, but it is this innate ability to feel pressure. Because uh, look, that's the other thing. He wasn't sacked once. On Sunday, he was barely touched. And a lot of that, obviously, is you got to attribute some of that to the offensive line. Yep. But every once in a while, there is going to be pressure. There is going to be you know, a free man. And Aaron did an excellent job of knowing where the hot was and knowing how to get out of trouble and even just moving away from pressure a little bit before he could get a throw off. So that's the thing. As long as that's still there, he's still going to be incredibly effective. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Okay, I'm a little confused by Devontae Adams. I don't think people know how to rank him. Like he kind of looked like the best receiver in the NFL on Sunday, but you don't, you never know if that's because of Rogers or that's because of him. I don't know. Like what's the, what's the local view on Devonte Adams is, is he viewed as like a Deandre Hopkins kind of superstar or just another really good Packers receiver? Well, that's the thing. I think it's funny because we know how productive he can be and has been throughout the years. There is certainly an element of the fact that yes, Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback, but don't forget, when Brett, when Aaron went down and Brett Hundley had to step in, Adams was the one guy who, who continued to produce. I mean, his numbers, if you go back and look at them, they didn't even dip. Uh, he just kept balling out. So I think it's pretty apparent. He's really, really good. One yeah. of the best in the business when it comes to wideout play. I think he gets knocked in kind of the national perception, whatever you want to call it, because he doesn't have the same physical measurables as, as some of the kind of monsters at the position. You're talking Julio Jones, you know, Mike Evans, et cetera. There's a reason like he was taken a little bit later in the draft. It's because, you know, he didn't have those wow factors when it came to the physical traits. But I tell you, he more than makes up for it in his approach to the game. He is an absolute student of the position and there isn't a corner who can lock him down one-on-one. There just isn't. Uh, Now they're going to be times that the corner wins, obviously, but more often than not, I'm going to take Devontae one-on-one with anybody in the league. He's just too good. 
Yeah, like he doesn't get, he's not as spicy as Odell Beckham Jr. or Julio or, right. you know, I, you know, Michael Thomas, it's funny. It's interesting that we view Michael Thomas as super elite where he has a little bit of, you know, you don't know if that's Drew Brees to some extent or is that Michael right. Thomas. Or the product of the system yeah. or Sean Payton. Yeah. But then you see, but you also see him make insane catches. It's yeah. not like he doesn't have the talent. You know, we all know that. But that's my point. Like, Devontae may not have the acrobatic, insane catches, but he does things like he did on Sunday where he knows how to stop on a dime right before he hits the sideline when Aaron Rodgers throws him that laser for the touchdown before the half. I mean, that's just an innate sense. It's just an ability to feel where you are on the field, and that's something that will never get quantified or it will never get talked about, but it's part of playing with Aaron Rodgers because you know Aaron's going to put that ball where only you can get it as a receiver. Yeah, I mean, I as a kid, I practiced for hours catching balls on the sideline. The fictitious, I don't know if you did, did that. Oh yeah, of yeah. course. I was ta- I was talking about this on Twitter last night. I was robbing home runs over an imaginary fence. That was <laughs> my two moves. Uh, yep. I used to do uh, a game in my front yard where I was offense and defense. Uh huh. Um, and I was wearing my Lynn Dickey jersey. <laughs> yeah. And one time, one time, I I was quote unquote sacked by the pass rush, and I was mm. laying on the ground. Mm. And my mom came out the door and she said, Aaron, are you okay? I said, Mom, I was just sacked. Yeah. And she like said, okay, lunch is ready. Come on in. That sounds so, accurate. Yeah. Yeah. But by the way, I love when we tell these childhood stories and date ourselves. Because I was like, yeah, oh, I was yeah. Wilbur Montgomery running through the backyard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People <laughs> like. Any Lynn Dickey reference is going to put you in a certain category yeah, I know. right away. I basically, I have a producer on this podcast who wasn't alive for either. Mario, have you ever heard of Lynn Dickey? Uh, no. How about Wilbur Montgomery? I have no idea. Wilbur Montgomery. Nope. Love it. Do you know Not the Magic Man? No. So oh. you guys have been talking about this. I'm like I Don Mikowski. No idea. Don Mikowski, baby. He, he doesn't he know Don Mikowski. Before Favre. Now, of course, he, he is, and he's a baseball guy. He probably doesn't even know those great '80s Brewers teams, which I knew you loved, right? Oh yeah, Cecil Cooper, Ben Ogilvy. Come on now, Robin Yout. Robin Yout, probably the only one. Ben. Gorman Thomas. There you go. Gorman Thomas, baby. Sixto Lescano. I could go deep on 80s baseball. <laughs> remember remember when Gorman Thomas hit 40 home runs and yeah. it blew everybody's mind? Oh, my like, God. Those were, the da- those were the days, man. I used to collect baseball cards, and I'd be like, wow, Richie Zisk had 25 homers. I got to hold <laughs> on to this card. <laughs> Nobody hit home runs. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so, um, good. Uh, so we digress. What were we talking about here? Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot now because, I, like everybody, I watched the Packers and just threw out all my preseason analysis and said, okay, well, they're clearly in the picture for the NFC title, even though, by the way, they were, what, 13-3 and three last year and made the NFC right. title game, and everybody was so down on them this offseason. But as you look, around, yeah. you look around the NFC, I'm going to go, I want you to put your Packers hat on, your cheese hat, whatever, and tell me why this team is or is not a threat to come out of the NFC in comparison to your team. Let's start in the NFC East, Dallas Cowboys. Oof, well, I know they're coming off a rough one, but... You know, I think they still are. Yeah. Um, I think they'll they'll get it together offensively. And on defense, I mean, the Van Der Esch, that, that injury, is, is that's troubling. There's no doubt about it. But I still think there's enough talent there. I think Mike McCarthy is a good coach, uh, you know, despite what Packers fans might tell you from his latter days <laughs> in Green Bay. Um, yeah, no, I still – it's way too early to bury them, that's for sure. I, I think there's way too much talent there for them not to be. Uh, there's one, you know, I was just talking with Mario about Randy Gregory comes back after week six. He's supposed to be better than Alden Smith in practice. So yep. can you how do you block? Can you, you I can picture this uh, this divisional round. You got those four guys coming at Rodgers. I mean, he's going to have to be he's going to have to be good. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, uh, let's go the other contenders, the Saints. It's funny, I was not blown away by the Saints' win over the Bucks. Well, no, I think it took them a bit to get going. I think they're really efficient on offense. They always, they're always going to be with Peyton and Breeze there. Um, Breeze looks old, man. I'm telling yep. you. Breeze looks old. I, I know it's week one. It doesn't mean a whole lot, but as the year goes on, I'm going to be real interested to see how he looks come November and December, yep. especially if they have to play outdoors at any point. Um, but, yeah, I still think they're, they're really good. I, I love their defense. I think they've got yep. all you know, they got a really, really solid squad up and down. They're an absolute contender. There's no question in my mind. But that's a great point. Like, you got to get them in Lambeau. You cannot. Oh, yeah. You Zero do not. Question. Yeah. You don't want to play there. I mean, they, and the Packers do play there in week three. Uh, the, the thing okay. is, is there's a good possibility they don't have fans. We saw how that played into Green Bay's favor in Minnesota. That's a place yeah. the Packers have had a real tough time playing in the past. And without a crowd, it really plays into Aaron Rodgers, his ability at the line, not just with the hard count, but just being it's so easy to make adjustments. So without fans in, in New Orleans, I like the Packers shot. Yeah, but by – by January, there could be fans oh, yeah. there. So yeah, that's there a, could be. That's my point. That's, yeah, yes, and yeah. to your point, yeah, yeah. they want to uh, get them in Lambeau. Zero question. Uh, side Saints question. Cam Jordan, your favorite quote in the NFL? I know he is. So oh, I, he's one of them. He's up there. Yeah, he's, he's definitely awesome. up there. I, I, he's absolutely no holds barred, like unfiltered, which you love. Yeah, he's funny. Okay, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't see it, man. I don't see it. Ooh. I, I've been, I said it all offseason. I said Tom Brady is going to look so old in the middle of like a November nationally televised game and the whole NFL world is going to go, Oh, right. You can't play forever. Um, I, I, I know it's week one and I know they're going to get stuff together on offense, especially, I think they've got an incredibly talented defense, but in this season specifically where continuity is going to mean so much, it's going to be fascinating to watch how they try to make this all work on offense with, you know, the system that they're in, Bruce loves to push the ball downfield. Everybody knows that. Mm. We saw check down Tommy taking a lot of check downs and going <laughs> horizontal rather than vertical in that week one game. And again, I know it's only one week, but I, I just think by the time November, December rolls around, uh, again, much like Breeze, Tom's going to start looking real old. Wow. You were, I didn't know you were this ageist. That was not a uh, total ageist. Total yeah. Ageist. Drew Absolutely. Breeze, any other Hall of Famers? Big just, Ben? I guess you weren't impressed just, by Big Ben happens man it just happens like look at Favre in 2009 he set yep. records playing literally the best statistical year he's ever had and in 2010 it all falls apart well That's i was wondering it works was it is tom brady's tampa bay year Favre year one with the jets then does tom brady right. have a vikings year behind it no I'm just, well yeah just no just taking I mean, time got, to adjust to get to that kind of year to get to the kind of year you're talking about he's got to play two more years you think he's going to play two more years I don't know. No, no way. I, he's no playing way. now. He's forty-three. What's the difference? Okay, three more contenders. <laughs> the, the only three, three threats left. The NFC West is brutal. Okay, oh my gosh. Let's start with the Niners. Are you considering them a, a big threat to come out of the NFC over your Packers? Yeah, I mean, how can I not be after they kicked our ass twice last year? I mean, yeah, they they are dealing with the injury bug early, which is you know, it sucks if you're going through it, but. If you want, if you have to deal with the injury bug, and everybody in the NFL has to at some point or another, this is the time to do it. Get, you know, whoever's hurt, get them back for a run later in the year and win your games as well as you can along the way. There's no doubt that uh, this division is going to beat themselves up. We saw that already in Week One, and I don't doubt for a second that they're going to miss 
uh, a number of guys. The wide receiver position is real tough in San Francisco right now. But Kyle's too good of a coach and too good of a play caller for them not to have production on that side of the ball. Uh, their defense is still stacked. Yeah, they're, they're definite contenders. Yeah, but you know, the old cliche about Jimmy G's accuracy in the fourth quarter came to bite no him. No question. Hey, man, yeah. there's no doubt. There's yeah. limitations there. Absolutely. No question about it. But I also think Arizona's a pretty damn good team. Okay. Oh, it's interesting. I was going to give you three contenders out of the NFC West, and I didn't consider Arizona. But the one to me is Seattle. Like, I feel like I know the Packers in Seattle have some history. I mean, that right. is... They look legit with Jamal Adams running around there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. They are going to be they are going to be trouble. And the, the most worrying aspect of that Week One game for anybody in the NFC having to face a Seahawks team that has maybe finally possibly decided <laughs> hey, let Ru- let Russ cook. You know, stop with this run run pass nonsense, ridiculous kind of run to pass ratio. They actually in in you know game neutral situations actually allowed Russell to throw the ball. If they, if they do that consistently, look out, because uh, Russell is still one of the best in the business, no question. Okay, uh, the Rams, scary at all? A little bit, a little bit. That defensive front, you saw how they bullied Ooh. Dallas up front. I mean, that, that's hard to block, no matter where you are. Um, yeah, Goff looks really good. I think McVay has done some nice things on the offensive side of the ball to mitigate some of his limitations. They look... Uh, they look formidable. There's no question about it. And again, I keep talk, saying it, but that division is really going to be up on each other all throughout this season. Yeah. So that's a lot of really good football teams. Well, again, we get back to that thing. Like, those are four teams I think you'd rather see in Lambeau than. Oh, no question. Uh, absolutely, a thousand percent. And look, who knows how the year plays out as far as fans go, what have you. But there's zero doubt when the weather starts to become a factor. The Packers want to be at home. They want to play those games at home. They want to be in Lambeau, regardless of if there's fans or not, just for the elements. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in on that idea. Okay, so we went through the NFC contenders. Uh, one to ten, how do you feel confidence that the Packers can come out of the NFC this year? I know it's week uh, one. Yeah, no, I, hell, before week one, I would have said probably between a seven and an eight. That's I mean, good. Yeah, no, it's good. They, they, have, to, they have to figure out what they're doing up front defensively, especially if Kenny Clark is hurt for any amount of time. We still don't know the severity of the groin injury he suffered against Minnesota. He's their, not only their best defensive line, but he's the one, the one legit yep. defensive lineman that they have. Um, outside of that, though, I think I love pretty much everything about this team. They've got to stay healthy. That was the thing that they did last year. Yep. And they got to keep creating turnovers, which is how they won a lot of games. And we saw the start of that. Uh, week one against Kirk Cousins. So that's the formula for this team. They're going to give up yards on the ground, but they're going to score a ton of points, and they're going to bend but don't break and lock things down in the red zone on both sides of the ball, really. Uh, They had trouble with the red zone early on in that game, but then they just kept moving the ball and scoring. I think that's this team. And, yeah, they've got a shot. It's just get in the dance and anything can happen. You need a star defensive back to win in the NFL, to win big in the Super Bowl. And I think you, I think Jair Alexander is that. Oh, Jair definitely fits the bill. He's got, yeah. we've said since his rookie year, basically, he's got all pro potential. Yep. If he can find, if he can find consistency, because look, he gave up a touchdown to Thielen at the end that he had no business giving up, you know, and I know they're ahead and they don't have to worry about it, but that's a play you just simply can't have. Uh, and th- that's the consistency issue. But if he can c- eliminate those kind of bonehead kind of brain farts, so to speak. He's got all pro written all over. How's Rashawn Gary look? Oh, so good, dude. He's good? So oh, good. yes. I'm psyched. He had an excellent summer. 
And, you know, this game, his pursuit is so noticeable, how he never gives up on a play. The Vikings clearly, after the game uh, in December last year where, you know, uh, Zadarius just went ham and they couldn't block anybody, yep. it was so clear. Their, their game plan on the, on the Minnesota offense side was all about get the ball out of Kirk's hands, three-step drop. There was absolutely almost no opportunity to kind of pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. And the one time there was, Zadarius sacked him. So it was so clear that it was going to be really hard for the edge guys to get much pressure because the ball was going to come out so quickly. But Gary was absolute uh, – he was all over the place. That's and I, I think they're really going to be cooking with gas with those three guys, the Smiths and Gary. That's awesome. Okay, uh, am I allowed to ask about your Michael Finley? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right, can you walk us through former Packers great tight end uh, – feels like he kind of went after you on Twitter and you guys got yeah, into yeah. it. Is it everything cool? Because like he did. No, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 we didn't really get into it because I didn't really respond. But, yeah, I don't know. I was just he, putting up clips from the game. And the one clip I shared, which was David Bakhtiari uh, blocking Ngankwe for eight seconds or whatever it was. Yeah. And then he retweeted it and said, I know you're a fan, Aaron, but slow down. They haven't played anybody. And, and I just said, thanks, Coach, as a like kind of a joke. I do that as a dismissive joke to everybody who comes at me, I guess. And, you know, I'm just like, no kidding. I didn't say anything. I didn't, I didn't say one word about, oh, what a big victory it was, or, oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. I literally just showed a clip of David Bakhtiari blocking. That's all I did. And then he said that, and so I responded, thanks, Coach. And then he just went on some weird thing about how, I, you know, I'd never played and <laughs> don't take your – football advice from this guy and then he put out some picture of my my twitter avatar at the time and said this is the guy you guys are listening to he just went crazy i don't know man and you know what's so depressing and sad about it is back when he was playing i was one of the people who defended him when packers fans like wanted just wanted him gone and because he had trouble with drops and you know he was kind of up and down with rogers and i was always like this kid's really talented just let him develop, blah, blah, blah. I was the one defending him. And now this, out of literally nowhere, I have no idea. Have it was no the idea. ultimate you didn't play the sport Twitter exchange. Oh, it was. It totally was. But, but Aaron, yeah. you and I are both no strangers to that energy. We've all we've oh, experienced yeah. before on Twitter, in the locker room. Yeah, I mean. No question. Yeah, but, you know, at this point, I just ignore it because it's like, you're right. I never played. But that's fine. I was never president of the United States either, but I have opinions about the president of the United States. We're not, we're not going I, I, there. I we're we're going to stay no, at the No, no, never, never, never. Yeah, I'm yeah. simply stating. Like, I can tell you Abraham Lincoln was a good president. I was never alive for Lincoln's presidency, but I, I'm pretty sure that that's a fact. So uh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm all good. That was the last time the Bears had a good quarterback, too. When Lincoln was, uh, I don't there even know. Go. That doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> don't talk to Allen Robinson today. That's all I know. I know. You mean future Patriot? Who are the oh. Patriots? Who are the Patriots coming down with? Allen Robinson, Cam Newton. I'm not Cam Newton. Uh, are they coming? Uh, Odell Beckham, OBJ. Yep. There's That's another guy. Oh, who's the other guy? Um, uh, there's a bunch of guys. They're definitely getting somebody. Lord, right? Whoever's disgruntled, they'll, they'll, they'll find their way to New England. No question. All right. Uh, Aaron, I appreciate the time. Uh, I'm so sorry about what Jermichael, because I felt like he was going after me, too, there. I felt like all the Brooklyn 
football nerds the, were under all attack. All the New York nerd football guys. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we all we got to band together, no doubt about it. <laughs> By the way, it would take about seven of us to beat up Jermichael Finley, and oh, even yeah, then, least... I don't. You could give half. You know, we need a uh, Palazzolo from PFF. He's at least he's six ten. Otherwise, we're know, just we yeah. step in. That would help. It would help, but he's kind of skinny too. I don't even know. I mean, yeah, who he's else? A baseball player, you know. It, it, but we just, we just have to do what we can do. Strength in numbers, man. I think, yeah. I mean, like, give us the ringer staff, the Dan, the Danettes, and like two other guys. Everybody, yeah, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Uh, awesome, buddy. We will talk to you soon. Hopefully, this uh, you know Packers run continues, even though you haven't played anybody. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we haven't played anybody. Thanks, coach. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> All right, Dusty, uh, I think the whole NFL world got a taste of Randy Bullock on Sunday when Joe Burrow's debut was ruined by a Randy Bullock missed field goal. But as quasi-Bengals fans, as you and I have been for a few years because of our friendship with Andy Dalton, we know all about Randy Bullock. But you go even deeper with Randy Bullock. And uh, if you're willing to share, I love your Randy Bullock story. Can you set the scene and tell us what happened uh, with the uh, infamous kicker who has many nicknames that we won't say right now yeah man no no doubt um yeah my uh my story dates back to an even bigger uh nfl debut than uh number first overall pick joe burrow mine was uh undrafted free agent quarterback case keenum (laughs) um (laughs) made his debut with the houston texans uh i believe it was 2002 12 i think um 2012 or 2013 um wait i did he come um, in for matt schaub was that that year it it was matt schaub started off the year and then i think he got hurt uh maybe two or three games into the season um gary kubiak was the head coach uh there with the texans and uh case keenum um played against again on a away game against the chiefs but made his home debut uh, against the Indi- the rival Indianapolis Colts, Sunday night football, um, big game uh, in Houston. Um, and I was sitting up in a suite, um, and Case came out in the first half just on fire. I mean, I think he threw three touchdown passes to Andre Johnson in the first half. Uh, it was like a 68-yarder, a 42-yarder, and then – Right before the end of the half, let him on a two-minute, uh, you know, there were like two-minute drive, uh, great drive to close out the half through a touchdown pass to Andre Johnson in the back of the end zone. Uh, the Texans were up twenty-one to three at halftime, and then uh, that's the famous Gary Kubiak had a heart attack going in. That's that game. Oh no! Oh no! I didn't know he was. Yeah. I don't remember he was winning when he had a heart attack. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, they were crushing the Colts. You know, Andrew Luck. I mean, dude, Case had played the game of the half of his life. Um, they were up twenty-one to three. Wow. Half. And Case is and, uh, Case is a local hero in Houston. To add to that, you know, former Houston Cougar. So they must have been so emotional in the second half. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, I mean, they came out flat, flat as could be in the second half. Yeah. And uh, Colts totally. Now, I will say this, right? So, um, it wasn't like they were bad in the second half. I mean, uh, Case still played a really good game. Matter of fact, he had a, almost a perfect passer rating that okay. game. He had a I stopped bragging. Stop yeah. bragging about Case. Get to the Randy Bullock part. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, 
But uh, second half, they play okay. But Randy Bullock, at some during the second half, he uh, missed two field goals, made one field goal um, between the third and early fourth quarter. Um, so he had already missed two field goals. Well, the Texans get the ball back. The Colts end up jumping up and taking the lead. They were winning 27 to 24. Um, the Texans forced a punt with about a minute. I want to say it was like a minute 20 left. And um, Case drives them down, drives the Texans down the field, sets them up for a game tying. I think it was a 41 yard field goal, 43 yard field goal. And I'm sitting in this suite, and you know how there's the inside part of the suite and the outside part of the suite? Well, I was in the outside part of the suite, and there's this railing that I'm leaning against. And in the suite right next door, um, there's this young gal, and she's wearing a Texas A&M jersey. Cool. And just being the football savant that I am, I knew Randy Bullock had gone to Texas A&M. So I look at her. We kind of make eye contact, right? And... I I was pretty excited because I was like, a 41-yard field goal, not that bad a field goal. Like, Texans can push this game into overtime and win this game. And so I looked at her. She's wearing an A&M jersey, and I go, all right, Aggies, come on. Your your Aggie boy has a chance to to, to tie this game up. Like, let's go, Aggies. And uh, sure enough, she looks at me like I'm crazy, but sure enough, he misses the kick. And the Texans lose. Oh, and as I look over at her, and we make eye contact again. And all I did, all I did was I, I kind of exhaled really slow, and I shook my head. I didn't say anything. Well, after the game, me and Case's agent are down in the tunnel waiting for him to come out of the locker room, and uh, we're standing there. And I look over, and I see this girl walking down the tunnel with the A and M jersey. And she's got this older lady with her. And um, I'm like, oh, no, is that like Randy Bullock's girlfriend or something? <laughs> and sure enough, dude, Randy Bullock comes walking out of the, the locker room and gives both of them like hugs and kisses or whatever. Oh, wait, so you and didn't know, thought, you, you had no idea that was Randy Bullock's girlfriend? No idea. I just thought, I mean, she was wearing an Aggie jersey. Right? Yeah. You see a lot of people wearing Aggie jerseys down here in Houston. Okay, okay. And I just thought random Aggie fan, like Randy Bullock's an Aggie, like, come on, Aggies, like, let's go. So after the game, right, so then I realized, well, she's, like, related to him in some capacity or his girlfriend. Well, anyways, Randy comes walking out and, like I said, gives him hugs and kisses, and then they start walking our direction to walk out to go to the car. Well, um this old lady, or I say old lady, this older lady was giving me the stink eye like something fierce. And I, you know, I was like, I mean, I didn't do anything. Like, I didn't say anything about the guy. Well, dude, she comes walking right up to me and gives me double birds, right? Just double birds right to the face. I mean, dude, she walks like right up to my face and just. Double birds me right in the face, man. Randy Bullock's mom and, uh, double birded you because he missed the yeah. game tying field goal. <laughs> yes. Oh man. All right, buddy. Appreciate the time. Yeah, and uh, stay out of trouble in the uh in these uh sweets, dude. You know, people are very yeah, sensitive. Sounds... You too, man. Uh <laughs> yeah. you too. Good luck to your Eagles. 
uh, this next week. No, we're not even started. Back. We're not even started on that. We're not even started. All right. All right, bud. We'll talk soon. All right. Later. Sounds good. All right. That was a little light Randy Bullock fun from our friend Dusty Stanfield, NFL marketing representative. Man, it was funny. Did you hear the Barstool guys go off on Randy Bullock? Yeah. That was... That was amazing. We can't say some of the things they were saying, but uh, <laughs> there's not. nothing funnier than kicker stories, and I'm glad that Randy Bullock's family is willing to fight for the man. And hey, you know what? He's a pro athlete. He's actually made a lot of big field goals, so we'll give him a rest, but that'll do it for week one against the grain overreactions. Uh, hope your team does better in week two, and I'm going to completely overreact to that as well. Mario, thank you. Hey, dude, maybe you consult me a little more on some of these that's over you're taking the over on the Titans dude that is a, that's a losing proposition why they scored a ton of points at the end of last season they can't throw what are you talking about they, they can't throw alright we'll be back soon this is Against the Grain